0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, and joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, the season is almost here. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, we did the Steeler post-game show last night. That was a bit of a grind
1: at week four, so there's nothing to talk about till 1.30 in the morning, but now I am ready for
0: Thursday. Exactly. We've got week four of the preseason and really the entire preseason now in our rear view mirror. We've got Team Cuts coming in fast and furious. So we're just almost here, and we're going to celebrate today with a great guest. We've got Mike Clay from ESPN. Mike's also the host of the Next Level Fantasy Show on Sirius XM and, and a co-host of the brand-new Fantasy Forecast podcast on ESPN with Anita Marks. Mike, how are you doing?
2: Doing pretty good. I'm with you guys. Uh, You know, we've been working on off-season content for so long now. It's crazy how long that goes on, and then all of a sudden we have to flip a switch, and it's now. I'm I'm like right now. Before we started this, I was starting to work on week one rankings, getting them set up, projections, all that. So yeah, it's a little bit of a change now.
1: And and Mike, as you know. We're all gonna watch games for a week or two and like throw everything
2: away that we
0: worked
1: all all summer on, you know. <laughs> I, know.
2: I know. And and for me, I mean, I'm Mr. Anti Jeremy Langford. He's gonna come out and put up 200 yards in week one, and all of a sudden, I'm gonna have to give in. I'm gonna have to stop being stubborn and That's, like the guys. A good so preseason we'll
0: too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he did. He did.
0: Yeah, Langford's an interesting case. I was I was with you, you know, in general on your dislike of him as a fantasy option, but. You know, Howard, th- this rookie they drafted, just hasn't really done anything. He had, I guess he had a good week four preseason, but I don't think he's going to steal that job away for the first few weeks at least.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to take some time too. I, I've been saying that for a few weeks now. I think Kadim Carey probably opens up as the, the two there. They're going to have Jaquiz Rogers mixed in as well. Uh, and then maybe down the road. I mean, if Lankford's struggling, I think they're going to give Howard some reps and, and then he'll have a chance to steal that job away. But you're right, he looked, he looked good in, in the fourth game. We'll see if uh, at some point this year he can make an impact.
0: Well, Mike, uh, we're going to talk a little Dynasty with you later, and of course we're almost always a Dynasty-exclusive show, but we want to really focus on the 2016 season as much as we can today. And one of my favorite articles I've read this offseason was yours, a, a recent one really focusing on this year's version of fill-in-the-blank. And, and and you filled in many of those blanks. You talked about some of the breakout players that we saw last year and who could fill those same roles this year. So I'd love to start off talking about a few of those and, and your thoughts on some of these players you've pegged as possible breakouts.
2: All right, let's do it.
0: So last year, of course, we saw Devontae Freeman. He was, at that time, a second year running back for the Falcons. Hadn, hadn't had a big rookie season and many people are already writing him off, but we all know he had that huge breakout season, was the uh, running back one overall, and, and you've got a guy, maybe not going to finish as the running back one, but you've got a, a sophomore pegged as a potential breakout. Tell us about him.
2: Yeah, and exactly what you just said. This doesn't mean I'm, I think he's going to finish as the number one fantasy running back this year. It just means that you know he's in the same sort of ballpark and maybe a guy who Uh, could be a strong running back two or flirt with running back one numbers. I think we all kind of agreed he was in that tier prior to them signing Chris Ivory. Uh, And frankly, Yeldon was, I think, better than he gets credit for last year. I mean, we don't realize this because he missed four games, but he was on pace for almost 50 receptions. That's crazy. We never would have thought about him as a pass catching back, but, uh, you know, he's still very young. I still think that at the, at the age these two guys are. I mean, keep in mind, Chris Avery's pushing for age 30 now. Yeldon's in his prime here at 22. Uh, he could take that step forward and, and just take the backfield, essentially take over the Jacksonville backfield. It's an offense going the right direction. And last year, I mean, they were, and listen, I know some of this was a product of them struggling in the department, but uh, they were number two in the NFL in carries from the opponent's one-yard line. They tried to run it there. They just didn't have success. And a part of that was because they didn't give Yeldon much of an opportunity down there. So, Uh, Yeah, I think he's definitely undervalued a nice target in the middle rounds.
1: I'm a big Yeldon fan, and I think his tape has far exceeded his fantasy numbers to this point. And those are the kind of guys you've got to target.
0: What about at the wide receiver position? So last year, again, Allen Robinson, huge breakout season. It didn't quite come out of nowhere like maybe it did with, with Freeman. A lot of people loved Robinson. Uh, including, you know, some of our friends that we've had on, Nick Whalen and Matt Harmon, among others. And like him, there's another guy that people have kind of been on a little bit this off season. But unlike Robinson, this guy, and, and I'll I'll go ahead and spill the beans here. It's Devonte Parker. People are starting to sour on him. He hasn't had the best uh, training camp or preseason. Kenny Stills has been playing ahead of him. Do you still see a breakout season from Parker?
2: Well, I'd like to hedge a little bit on this one because I, I wrote this and I sent it into the editors the day before the, their last preseason, their third preseason game, I should say, when it turned out he was not running as the number two receiver. So, I'd like to hedge a little bit. If I wrote it today, I'd probably go with Amari Cooper, but um, which almost feels like cheating because you know he was such an early round pick and you know, it, but it's it's tough to draw exact parallels. Uh, maybe Dante Moncrief, but he's kind of the hot on, on football Twitter, as you guys know. He's kind of the hot Allen Robinson comparable. So I decided to, to pivot, go with Parker. And I still think it's possible. The guy's a tremendous talent. He was great in the FBS. Uh, you know, he, he showed flashes last year. It's possible, but, you know, he's doing enough wrong right now, I suppose, that, that it's a bit of a concern. And really, I, James Walker, who covers the Dolphins for ESPN, said a lot of it has to do with him staying healthy. He's just not doing things off the field to keep himself conditioned and ready to, to take on the grind. Uh, but, you know, he is the, they're a terrific athlete, uh, great hands. You know, he, he does a lot well. It's just it might take longer for him than it has some others.
1: The physicality worries me a little bit about him, you know, getting off the line, going up and making plays in traffic, staying healthy. You know, it, 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 he, he's never really proven to be able to do those things.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, certainly some, some, certainly some concerns there. We'll have to see if he can turn the corner at some point this year. Maybe not out of the gate, but at some point.
0: Well, you're not alone in pivoting off him a little bit, Mike. We've seen his dynasty ADP dropping and, and his redraft ADP dropping as well. So there are some reasons for concern, but also still some reasons for optimism as well. What about at the quarterback position? We had Blake Bortles last year. He had a very inefficient rookie season and wasn't a whole lot better in that area last year, but the volume was there for him, and he had a big year. Uh, who do you see as maybe that breakout quarterback this year.
2: Yeah, not too many comparables uh, here. You know, second year quarterbacks who maybe had inefficient rookie years. I think uh, Jameis Winston really fits the bill. Uh, Off target on the highest percentage of his throws in the league last year. Uh, Yes, he was a rookie. Yes, he was in a bad offense. Yes, he threw deep a lot. So there was a lot of excuses for that. But uh, he's a guy that all reports have been positive in the offseason. He's getting in shape. He's a top end leader for this team. So uh, definitely a guy who could benefit. Again, I, I, you know, Tampa Bay was good against a run last year. I, I look at the team on paper defensively. I don't see much there. They added Robert Ayers, fine. They addressed the secondary a little bit in the draft. But I, I don't know. I can't get excited about that defense. I feel like he might be throwing a lot of passes and garbage time to those big guys on the outside, Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans. So uh, I think he certainly has a shot to rack up the volume here in 2016.
1: Mike, you said it. I mean, he's gotten himself into shape. I mean, I think we're going to look back at his career eight, ten years from now and be like, man, he looked chubby his rookie year. Who is that guy? I mean, the dedication he he clearly showed, and so did Mike Evans. Mike Evans looks better than ever to me, too. So I think that's going to be a lethal combination for years and years.
0: Let's move over to some rookies. Of course, last year, Todd Gurley was the rookie running back who got all the attention uh, but in the end, David Johnson was probably on equal footing with him from from a fantasy perspective. Who's a, a running back, I guess outside of Ezekiel Elliott, that you think could end up on that high level as well?
2: Yeah, I think Derrick Henry fits that bill perfectly. I mean, he's a guy that was, you know, Johnson went in round four, Henry in round two. There's more pedigree there for sure. Uh, but similarly, you know, we're not in on him like we are Elliott because he's seemingly, we'll say, buried on the depth chart. So... Uh yes, DeMarco Murray's going to come out and spawn, but uh, Murray or Henry just looks so good in the preseason. It's hard to imagine them keeping him off the field. And by the way, they cut Dexter McCluster, which I thought he was going to be kind of one of them annoying guys in fantasy where he was stealing targets from these guys and snaps on third down. He's out of the mix, so I think they're going all out with these uh, the big two here. And uh, I think Henry, you know, in standard leagues he could have standalone flex value. I really think he could flirt with that. And if at some point this year he – it's not as crazy as it sounds, uh, you know, takes over control, I think he could be a fringe uh, running back one.
1: Now, I actually just wrote an article saying, I think he's going to lead the Titans in rushing this year, that I think he'll quickly go past Murray. They're going to run the ball a ton. Having Mariota there helps the running game a lot as well. Uh, I didn't love him kinda out of, coming out of Alabama, but he looks much quicker, much more lateral, laterally explosive than I remember. He's very impressive.
0: Well, let's stick with the Titans, uh, Mike. And Last year, we saw Stefan Diggs. He was formerly a, a heralded college player and college recruit, or high school recruit, I should say, and kind of following that same path as Tajay Sharp, the rookie wide receiver for the Titans. What do you think about him?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you can certainly compare him to Diggs in a, in a few areas. Uh, you know, Mid-round picks last year, guys we didn't expect much of out of right away, but he's kind of just... Worked his way right up the depth chart, and, and Sharp's done it quickly. It took Diggs a, a few weeks, you recall, to to really maybe the first month of the season to take on a, take over as the number one wide receiver. Sharp seems to be already the number one receiver there in Tennessee. So, uh, you know, And in the same department, I think that the volume uh, is going to be a problem in the offense, and that's going to limit his fantasy impact. So he might have a few good weeks here or there, but uh, I'm a little concerned about volume in that run-heavy Titans offense that we were just talking about.
1: Does the rookie class of receivers underwhelm you a little bit to begin with? You know, the guy was a Treadwell fan. He hasn't done anything. We haven't Mm -hmm. seen Coleman. We haven't seen Dachson. You know, for redraft reasons, are you not real fired up about this group?
2: Yeah, I think certainly early on this year. uh, It's it's definitely not going to be a unit you're going to be too invested in. Uh, I still like Sterling Shepard. I think he's going to be kind of a flex guy this year, maybe can creep into the wide receiver three territory. I think it depends how much Victor Cruz is back and the sort of impact he makes. Uh, Will Fuller's a guy, uh, you know, earlier in the offseason, I was just scooping him up in every MFL 10 I could because he was available in the 13th, 14th round for some reason. Uh, fortunately, he's, he grabbed that, that number two job there in Houston. I think he'll have a fine year, kind of a Deshaun Jackson sort of year where he's kind of boom bust on a week to week basis, but by season's end, probably a, maybe even inside the top 35 receivers. And you could probably even throw Mike Thomas in there in, uh, in New Orleans. It sounds like he's going to play a pretty significant role as well.
0: Mike, last year we saw Doug Baldwin, uh, especially in the back half of the season, just bust out and become a huge uh, fantasy asset and, and make an impact for the Seahawks. Who's a veteran wide receiver that's maybe being overlooked that you think could uh, put up some similar numbers or, or have that similar impact?
2: Yeah, I mean, we've seen this before with Marvin Jones a couple years ago in Cincinnati where he just racks up all the touchdowns on a low target volume. Uh, it was obviously unsustainable. You could say that about Doug Baldwin, too. But I think Jones is a guy who could score a lot of touchdowns in this Detroit offense, especially if Eric Ebron can't seem to catch the football, which has been a problem so far, not to mention the fact that he's hurt and kind of 50-50 for week one. So uh, Jones should be the touchdown scorer in this Detroit offense. It's going to be high volume. They're going to throw a lot of passes. Uh, so he's, he's kind of a sneaky guy that you can get kind of, he's still going, he's not going as late as Baldwin was, but around five, six for a guy that could potentially get you wide receiver two numbers. He's a, he's a solid value.
1: I know you do have some hope or, you know, for Ebron as well. What are your take on him? Do you think he could be, you know, a steal in you know, fantasy drafts for now and don't play him week one and see what happens?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm never big on holding two tight ends unless uh, really? it is potentially a guy like Ebron. I mean, if you can, you know, a guy that has a high ceiling, that I can get behind. And, uh, yeah, I compared him into this piece to this year's Jordan Reed. I think he's certainly on that short list. Maybe Kobe Fleener, a guy that could finally reach his max potential. Austin Sperian Jenkins, if he ever works his way back up the depth chart, he's a potential uh, Jordan Reed as well. So we see this every year, guys, finally. Uh, reach their peak and and explode onto the fantasy scene. I think uh, Ebron could be one of those guys this year. But, again, can he catch the football? That's the big question. Sure.
0: All right, Mike, let's wrap this segment up with the tight end position. Last year, Gary Barnage, kind of a veteran journeyman, had never really been on the fantasy radar at all, had a huge season. Who's a player that maybe could go from uh, the waiver wire to starting lineups at the tight end spot?
2: Yeah, uh, I think Virgil Green fits the bill here for sure. In Denver, you know, I've never really been on this guy. He's kind of an off-season uh, puff piece sort of player the last couple of years. I've never really bought into it. I think now you don't really have a choice but to buy into it. They actually don't have competition for him. Jeff Hyrman was in that conversation, the second-year guy who missed all of his rookie season. He's, uh, uh, he's been hurt, so he's not really a threat now. So it's clearly Virgil Green's every-down role. Uh, and they're gonna—he's—he's he's still gonna block, and it's still gonna be a bad offense without much from the quarterback position. But he should be third in line for targets. So uh, we saw—we saw Gary Barnage do some damage in a horrible offense last year with work near the goal line, and just as a product of them not having other weapons, that could be Green this year. It could be Vance McDonald too in San Francisco. He's another candidate, I think.
1: You took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to ask you about Vance McDonald too. I mean, almost by default, he's gonna get targets.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see with Chip Kelly. He loved Brent Selleck in Philly, and he liked to use him. He may do the same with Garrett Selleck out there in in uh, San Francisco.
0: Mike, I think in in the fantasy community, you're so well known for your projections, stemming back from your time at PFF. One of my favorite parts of Draft Weekend is is seeing your instant projections as soon as those players are drafted to their new teams. So I just love to pick your brain a little bit about some projections for some specific players. And let's start with the new starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Of course, we know about the injury to Romo. There's some uncertainty there when he might come back. And, of course, it remains to be seen how Prescott plays. I, I think it's safe to assume if he plays well, if he gets the Cowboys off to a good start, that's his job going forward. But what are your current projections looking like for Prescott?
2: Yeah, I think I'm I'm giving him some uh I'm buying in, I guess is the way to put it a little bit. Uh you know, I'm not I'm not placing him in here like I might have uh Kellen Moore, you know, in terms of efficiency. I'm giving him some credit. I think that he was really good in the preseason and yeah, I, listen, I'm not going to go all Russell Wilson here and and just ticket him for high efficiency superstar right out of the gate. There's certainly some risk in, involved here, but uh I've seen enough and and I think that it being a run heavy offense and him being able to run the ball raises his fantasy floor. So I have him uh, over six games, and, you know, he, he, there's a few attempts in here included for uh, once Romo comes back, uh, him kind of, you know, the occasional attempt, you have to bake that in a little bit. But I have him throwing 10 touchdowns, six picks, have him adding 133 yards with his legs. Again, most of this coming during uh, what would be the six starts uh, in place of Romo. So we'll see. I mean, Romo, if he's out longer, could be it could be more starts, but, uh, I think the offense can survive. I'm not really moving Dez Bryant down too much. I still have him as a, we'll say, a sort of a mid-to-back-end wide receiver one.
1: Yeah, watching him so much in the preseason, obviously that offensive line is going to help him dramatically. You know, right. I mean, by far the best in the league. And the one thing you notice about him is if he saw Witten or especially Dez one-on-one, he goes their way. You know, he trusts his receivers, which is rare for a rookie. I'm curious what you think of it, how it does for Elliott. Like, I bet they don't score as many points if Romo was there, but I could also see him dumping it to him a lot.
2: Yeah, I did uh, do. I did downcheck the offense a little bit from a scoring aspect during the first six weeks. Again, I'm just. I'm assuming week seven. That's the buy. Romo maybe comes back after that. Uh, maybe that doesn't happen if, if Prescott's uh, playing extremely well. But uh, we'll see about that. He, uh, you know, you you look at that. Touchdown he had to Jason Witten where he went over the back went Witten went over right. the defenders back that was not really a good throw uh, Witten just made a crazy play so he's gonna make some mistakes um, but yeah as for Elliott you know I, I agree I think he's fine he's gonna be a high volume guy and there's not that many 20 plus touch guys every every single week anymore so uh, I I didn't really move e- Elliott too much the needle came down just a little bit because uh, you know taking away touchdowns from the offense
0: so what do your season long projections for Elliott look like?
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in on him. I have him at uh, 257 carries, nine total offensive touchdowns, have him adding about 350 receiving yards. So, we're yeah, push, pushing for about 300 touches, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, they do have Alfred Morris, and don't forget about Lance Dunmore. They like that kid a lot. He's going to be busy on passing downs as well.
1: Mike, quick advice. I'm a little redraft behind the times. I, I mean, I'm only in one league anymore. It's with my buddies. We get together, and we party hard all weekend. And I picked seven this year. So I I know Brown, Jones, Beckham are going to be off the board. And pretty much to me, that means I'm going to end up with Johnson, Peterson, Elliott, or Gurley. And the guy I think I'm going to end up with is Elliott, which I'm thrilled about. Do you have a preference with that group? I mean, do you consider him right there in those top four running backs?
2: Yeah, well, I'd say I wouldn't. Uh, definitely cross off guys like DeAndre Hopkinson, A.J. Green, even Allen Robinson. Yeah. But if you're definitely going running back, uh, yeah, I, I have them Gurley, Johnson. Is it PPR? I guess I should ask that first.
1: No, it's not.
2: No, not? Okay. Well, that makes running back more attractive, I suppose. Yeah, I have Gurley first, David Johnson second, Peterson third. Then I actually have Lamar Miller, just a spot ahead of, uh, of Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, that's my top five. I'm, I'm happy with any of those guys, frankly, in round one.
1: I can see Miller winning the league for you, but the, there's two negatives in my opinion. Is none of the coaching staffs he's ever been on feels like he can be a workhorse. I mean, I think O'Brien disagrees with me by the money they gave him, and I think their offensive line might be the worst in the league. It really looks bad to me.
2: Yeah, and they. I mean, that's the thing about Miller. He was so efficient. It didn't really matter that he wasn't getting right. enough, quite enough volume. He was so efficient and did more probably as a receiver than we gave him credit for. So you would think maybe the efficiency drops off a little bit if the volume's up. But from a fantasy perspective, that should offset it. I mean, if the guy does get 15 carries a game and five targets and he averages four yards per carry, fine. You know, that's going to be top five fantasy running back over a full season.
0: Let's move on to the wide receiver position, Mike. And a a guy I'm interested in, a guy I'm a big fan of, is Brandon Cooks. And he seems to be a hot name in the dynasty community. And there's people on both sides of this. Some some don't see him as you know, as a wide receiver one and and others think, you know, he's he's the next top five wide wide out. What are your projections for him in that Saints offense?
2: Yeah, I've him at eighty eight uh catches, hundred and or a yeah, hundred, a thousand sixty seven yards and seven scores, you know, adding a, a few carries in there as well, probably it's about fifty yards that way. Uh so, you know, again, conservative, fine, you know, I think it's fair. Um uh, He's a, uh, we'll say a, a borderline wide receiver one this year. Listen, my my concern with him, and it's not so much a concern, it's just, it just talks, it just speaks to his ceiling a little bit, is the fact that Strewberry spreads the ball around a lot. Like you, you usually don't see a guy get much further than 20, maybe 21 percent at the most in terms of target share, where you have other guys like Dez and Robinson and. Hopkins and Beckham and Brown, who are up around 30%. So it's a high-volume, high-scoring offense, so it's fine. But even Marcus Colson, I mean, throughout his career, he was always around that 19 20% target share area. I don't think Cooks goes much further than uh, 21% where I have him now. I think that's even a little optimistic. So uh, that's about where I have him uh, sitting right now. And also, they, they probably added a little more talent now with Michael Thomas. Probably at, at the point in his career, Colson was last year probably an upgrade. And Fleener as a as a pass catcher, I would expect him to be an upgrade as well over what Ben Watson was.
1: Mike, I like Cooks an awful lot, but the three guys I'm kind of targeting my second round in that draft are Evans, Allen, and Cooper. Do you like all three of those a notch above Cooks?
2: Yeah, Evans, uh, Evans, and Allen, I definitely do. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Who was the other one? Oh, Cooper. Amari
1: Amari Cooper, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only thing with Cooper is I'm not necessarily handing him the superstar, uh, you know, pamphlet yet. Like, I'm not just anointing him as a superstar, if you will. So um, I think he'll get there. I think he could end up making an Antonio Brown-like impact when he reaches the ceiling. But I think he should be a step below those guys. I think uh, Evans has shown it already. He'll score eight touchdowns, I think, you know, be in that area, maybe even 10 Frankly, he's the sleeper to lead the NFL in touchdowns. He might have a loss. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, a guy like Keenan Allen, he could lead the NFL in receptions if he if he's healthy. So I would give those guys a slight edge. Uh, maybe Cooper has a, a higher ceiling, but uh, you know I'm not giving it to him just yet.
1: How would you put Alshon Jeffrey in that class?
2: I love Alshon. Do I, you? I have him ahead. Of, I have him ahead of all those guys. I think he's right there with guys like Marshall, Dez jordy nelson uh, sammy watkins i love him as well so uh, alshon was a superstar last year when he was on the field he's just a dominant player and i i don't know maybe you could speak to this i I don't know what the questions are about his ability i I don't get it i maybe maybe durability but that's it everything you
1: said i am a hundred percent in line with but i'm getting scared about this entire offense this offseason i mean their line is dreadful adam gase is gone I don't trust the running game. You know, that goes back to the Langford conversation. Could Cutler implode? And and the other thing is Kevin White looks totally lost. So everything you said about Alshon, I'm 100% on board, and I think he's a superstar. But I just worry that that might be one of the league's worst offenses.
2: Yeah, very well could be. I'll, I'll say this about Cutler, though. The last three years, the leaders number one and two in the NFL and end zone targets are Alshon and Brandon Marshall. Now, some of that was, of course, with the Jets last year for Marshall, but a big chunk of it was when he was in Chicago. So Cutler loves those big guys at the goal line, and that's not going to change.
1: That's definitely a Cutler thing that he does. You know, he puts it up and lets
0: his guys go get it.
2: That's good for Jeffrey owners. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Seems like one of the debates of the dynasty offseason is the Colts wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton, kind of that reliable veteran presence versus Dante Moncrief. You mentioned him. Earlier, as, as a potential breakout, kind of the guy we think might make that leap into the top tier. Uh, what are your projections on the two Colts wide receivers, and, and just in general, how do you value those two guys?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I actually have Moncrief with more touchdowns and receptions, and I have Hilton with significantly more yardage. So uh, that, that makes sense, I think. You know, Hilton's the deep threat, he's going to maybe see slightly less target volume. Uh, it's going to be close. I have them very, very close in terms of targets. Uh, and Moncrief, you know, he had five touchdowns when, when Luck played last year. He was well on his way to a breakout season. Uh, so I like them both. You know, I think Hilton is a, uh, you know, a fringe wide receiver one. I think Moncrief more of a fringe two uh, just because you worry a little bit, a little bit about the yardage. Uh, but you do give him a boost in PPR format. So, yeah, I'm buying on both guys.
0: What about Demarius Thomas this year? There's, you know, there's been a lot of reason to doubt him or to downgrade him in, in fantasy rankings. Uh, are you kind of on board with that? Do you see a drop in his production with, with the obvious change at quarterback?
2: Yeah, I kind of put him in the same sort of department as Kelvin Benjamin, why I was down on him initially. I mean, obviously everybody's kind of joined in on that because uh, he's being pushed by, pushed by Devin Funches. But uh, you look at what happened with Benjamin as a, as a rookie, he was number one in the league in end zone targets. He was, what, like seventh in targets at wide receiver, and he still was only wide receiver 17 fantasy points because he was so inefficient. He had all this opportunity and volume, and that helped him get to the point that he, w- he was a fantasy asset. Uh, last year, same to Marius. You know, he's top nine in receivers and receptions in yardage each of the past four years. He had, I think he was top five in targets last year but still only gave you wide receiver two numbers because the efficiency was, wasn't there, the drops were there, and, you know, the quarterback situation, many say oh, it can't be worse than Peyton and, Os- and uh, Osweiler. Uh, yeah, it could. I mean, Mark Sanchez <laughs> they thought was the savior, and they may cut him. So that, that tells you how bad that situation could be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about efficiency in that offense. I think he's a, a solid wide receiver too, but that's about it.
1: I've been dumping Benjamin in dynasty. I won't touch him in redraft. I don't think he's a very good wide receiver You know, in the real world. I mean, I think he's big and he goes up and gets football, but I don't think he does the little things well at all.
2: Yeah, and that's my concern as well. I, that, and that's what I mean. He was a volume guy, not a guy who was an effective NFL player.
0: Mike, the last guy I wanted to ask you about was Tyler Lockett. Of course, he's uh, obviously been a hot name. Again, in the dynasty community, this off season, many people have pegged him for a breakout season this year as well. But the preseason has, you know, he hasn't really done much. They've spread the ball around. What do you see from Lockett in 2016?
2: Yeah, listen, I, I like him as a player a lot. I, I was at Pro Football Focus until uh, February, and you know, last year is when they started tracking college football games. And Tyler Lockett, before he, the year before he entered the draft, he was the number one rated player in terms of their grade, so it wasn't really a surprise that he turned out to be a good receiver by any means, uh, so I like him. I think he's going to carve out a really nice career as a receiver and a returner, but at the same time, I have concerns about uh, his role in the offense. I, you know, He could see a 20% target share, but if they're still the same old Seahawks, they spread the ball around, they run the ball a lot, they rely on the defense, they don't run a lot of plays, well, where's the volume coming from? You know, it's just not going to be there. And, and not to mention Doug Baldwin's in the mix. And we also saw former second rounder Paul Richardson make an impact in the preseason. That's a very good player as well who they're going to try and mix in there with Jermaine Kearse and these other guys. So I have him at 55, a little over 800 yards, six touchdowns. You know, maybe he beats that by a little bit in, in the efficiency categories. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's he's best viewed as probably a fringe wide receiver three right now.
1: I think they really like Curse. You know, that's something that gets overlooked a lot. He's a very good blocker. He's a tough guy. For their Smurfs group, I mean, he's kind of the big guy, although he doesn't look like Kelvin Benjamin or anybody. And I think
0: Wilson trusts him. Mike, another article you've uh, written recently that I thought was was just really great was handcuffs to target. And and your caveat to that was not necessar- you don't necessarily have to have the starter to target these handcuffs as you mentioned earlier, these players could have standalone value even without an injury or, or anything like that. So, and, and the other thing I like is you didn't just include running backs. So often we use that term handcuff in fantasy and we think about uh, the running back position, but you included players from other positions as well. So I just want to kind of hear your thoughts on a few of these. And let's start in Atlanta. We talked about Devontae Freeman earlier. What about Tevin Coleman?
2: Yeah, this one was a fun one for me because I had just gone like uh, on a week tangent, week long tangent on Twitter defending Devonta Freeman, uh, and then I had to go ahead and write positive things about Tevin Coleman. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I do like Freeman a lot. I think he's going to keep that number one job. I think he's underrated as a football player. Yes, he started to slow down in second half last year. He's aware of that. He slowed slow down in the second half last year, and he. Uh, you know, is, is making sure he can handle a longer, uh, you know, a longer schedule this year and a big workload. I don't think anybody was expecting him to do that last year. So, uh, as for Coleman, you know, I think he'll play more out of the gate. I don't think he necessarily is going to have standalone value right away. But listen, if, if Freeman goes down with an injury, Coleman is going to be in the running back one conversation immediately. So uh, I don't, I know there's people drafting him because they think they're going to, st- he's going to steal the job from Freeman. I think that's wrong, and unfortunately, it makes him a little expensive on draft day. But at the same time, you know, if, if Freeman goes down, I mean, this is an elite level fantasy handcuff.
1: You know what else is inexpensive? It's when you go to lootcrate.com and use our, our code. You go to slash dynasty blueprint, enter the code dynasty blueprint, save two bucks a month. And it's already under $20 a month. It's the best deal in town. How could you go wrong there? If you're looking for gear, collectibles, houseware, and more from your favorite pop culture franchise, they got you covered. Loot Crate offers a range of geek and gamer items for less than $20 a month. Want to bring your loot to the next level? Get a bigger box with even bigger loot on Loot Crate DX. If you're more than the type to wear your geekly heart to, on your sleeve, then Loot Wear, our monthly wearables and accessory subscription, is exactly what you're looking for. So, everybody, I, I, I urge you to go check out Loot Crate. And use our our code lootcrate.com/slash/dynasty blueprint. Enter the code DynastyBlueprint.
0: blueprint. All right, Mike, another uh, running back that's certainly not going to overtake the starter, but could have some standalone value is McKinnon over in Minnesota. Uh, what are your thoughts on him?
2: Uh, yeah, I just think this is a, a good football player, a tremendous athlete. We know that when he came into the draft or into the league a couple of years ago. Uh, and then you know I kind of had fun with this. I thought you know what I'm to prove a point here I'm gonna list off all and and I won't do that now I won't uh, I won't ruin your airwaves but uh, I just listed <laughs> off kind of all of the starters and then the, the handcuffs that made a significant impact last year and it it turns out to be almost half the league it's crazy so McKinnon was just one of the few uh you know blue chip handcuffs that didn't really get an opportunity last year because Adrian Peterson was one of the guys who held up uh, among the top group of wide or, uh, running backs so uh, if if this is the year that maybe Peterson starts breaking down or he misses some time, you know, look out, McKinnon. Uh, if he takes over that number one job, he's gonna he's gonna crush it again. I think he'll be in the, the running back one, you know, kind of in that department, if you will.
1: I think he could be a flex though, even if Peterson's 100% and tearing it up. Don't you agree?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, maybe in PPR he could flirt with it, but even then, you're talking about wide receivers just loading up the flex uh, in, uh, a, in a PPR format. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, if they go, yeah, if they if they go crazy run heavy, maybe, but I, I don't know if we'll get enough. They unfortunately they re signed Matt Asiata too. So uh, who knows? You know, they seem to like that guy for some reason. <laughs>
0: Uh, over at the tight end position, the the Patriots made a move this year. They let uh, let Scott Chandler go after last season, but they added Martellus Bennett, who I think has some huge upside in that offense. You obviously do as well, Mike. What do you see with him there? In the yeah, end I game?
2: think he's one of the guys on the list who definitely is standalone value. Uh, certainly in fourteen and sixteen team leagues, So he should be starting material in your league. Uh, uh, you know, he's gonna play nearly every down. We saw back uh, in the We'll say the Rob Gronkowski and that other guy era. Uh, they were both out there a lot, and there was a year where Gronk was the number one scoring tight end, and Aaron Hernandez, oh, I said his name. Whoops, uh, he he missed two games, and he was still number three at the at the position in fantasy points. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Bennett and and uh, and Gronk can have a lot of success together. And if Bronco's down, again, that's kind of added value. If Bennett's your starter or even on your bench, he's one of the guys who would jump up into the top three at the position.
0: One guy I wanted to ask you about from this article is, is a player I, I just haven't really given much thought to. Uh, I remember him well in college, but I haven't considered him really as, as a dynasty or a fantasy uh, option. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Malcolm Brown, the, the backup running back for the Rams.
2: Yeah, you know what? I was really excited about this guy earlier in the offseason when uh, you know the Trey Mason stuff went down. At least when it started to seem like he wasn't going to be back, and uh, you know we hope he gets everything right off the field. But it doesn't look like he's going to be back in the NFL anytime soon. Uh, but then I realized, you know what? Um, I think I'm undervaluing Benny Cunningham a little bit. You know, you know that if something happens to Todd Gurley, Cunningham will have a passing down role, but The guy's a a pretty good all-around player, and and we saw that in the preseason. Both he and Brown were outstanding. So, again, we're talking handcuffs here. If something happens to Gurley, I think you see a two-headed attack in that backfield. Brown is interesting because he's a big guy. He can run between the tackles, but he also can catch the ball out of the backfield. He came in as a good pass blocker. He can really do it all. And for that reason, deep dynasty leagues, yeah, I I think you stash this guy.
1: I think that's well said. I mean, this is a pretty good up-and-coming football player that does everything well has some size to him, but my concern would be if Gurley goes down, the Rams may never score a point again. (laughs) It's so bad.
2: That's a fair point because that team is awful in almost every department. They have a great defensive line. They have Gurley. That's it. That's about it.
0: All right, Mike. That's some some great stuff on the twenty sixteen season. Uh, I do want to wrap up today with a little bit of dynasty talk. We we can't go a whole episode without that. And I know you're you're a big uh, dynasty player yourself. We're in a couple leagues together. And and first of all, I just want to thank you for the dynasty coverage you've brought to ESPN. Uh, and and I've Said the same to Matt before during his time there. You know, uh, unfortunately, as as much as we love Dynasty Fantasy Football, it's it's often overlooked by the uh, the major media outlets. So I love seeing your Dynasty work there on on the four letter network. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, love, today, love Dynasty. I, I think I'm in more Dynasty leagues now than regular leagues. I, I love it. So uh, there's just something about being able to manage teams year round that I'm really attracted to, including your your Hyperactive League, by the way, which is arguably. I think there, I can make a case to myself that that's my favorite league. Uh, uh, I did a terrible job, as we've talked about in the past, in the startup draft like five years ago. Just a horrendous job with that first draft, but I, I've been working on turning it around, and I'm coming for you, Ryan.
0: Uh, I'm a little worried. You've made, you've made a bunch of trades this offseason, and, and I think um, I think they are all they all might work out for you, so uh, you've, you've built a good team for sure. Just today over at ESPN, I, I think it was just today, you released your uh, dynasty rankings, but not 2016 dynasty rankings, 2017 dynasty rankings. So basically, what you're envisioning dynasty rankings to look like a year from now. And there were a few players that I did want to ask you about. The first one is we've we've already mentioned him a little bit, but Dak Prescott. You had him as quarterback 11. Uh, not only did you have Dak above. The other rookie quarterbacks this year, but you also had him above uh, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, last year's rookies who who performed well. So I'm assuming you you're seeing Dak as the the future starter uh, for the Cowboys going forward. Just talk a little bit more about his upside in that offense and and how you how you value him in dynasty.
2: Sure, and I have to correct you at f- at first off the bat here because uh, and it's not your fault. This the article when it came out was miss titled, if you will, but. These are actually 2017 rankings, so not dynasty. They would be season-long rankings for 2017. So uh, just to, just to be clear. So uh, yeah, but I'm with you. I mean, I'm still awfully high on Dak Prescott. I kind of explain why. Um, you know, I think that if he comes in and he shows he's the real deal, that he will be the starter next year. You know, I think they're they're going to be tired of then. You know, he's going to be t- 37 years old. Tony Romo. Uh, I could see them moving on from him if, if Prescott shows he's, he's good. So I said earlier, I'm kind of buying in. I think he's going to be solid. I think he'll be potentially spectacular. And uh, so I'm buying in. And, and if he is the starter, if he comes in as a starter for the Dallas Cowboys, he's good enough to be that in 20, uh, 2017. Definitely, it, the hype, the running ability, having Des Bryant, having Ezekiel Elliott, the hype is going to be real. You, we know that he's going to be on that in that quarterback one conversation for sure.
0: Yeah, I think so and and I think you know the same could be be true in dynasty and redraft this time next year if you know if it plays out. I, I appreciate you telling me that even though these are redraft rankings for 2017, that still has a ton of value for dynasty players. You know, if we're getting your projections basically on what's going to happen uh, over the next full year both the the regular season and the off season next year. Uh, at the running back position is another guy we've we've already mentioned, but it's Jarek McKinnon. You had him as your running back 16 uh, for the 2017 season. You've kind of alluded to what you see there in Minnesota with him uh, playing a role even with Peterson there. Just talk about how you do value him in Dynasty. Is, is he a guy that we should be... Targeting, you know, no matter what the price is, is he a guy we should overpay for at this point?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I'm I'm with you too. I think that that was the purpose of this piece too, was for dynasty and keeper league uh, players too to kind of get a, a feel for what next year's rankings might look like. But yeah, I think uh, McKinnon. Uh, yeah, I put him at 16. I struggled with him a little bit because Adrian Peterson's still under contract, but I think they have a way out of it after this year. He is going to be 32 and a half years old at this point next year, so. Uh, it's a little bit of a tricky situation. I think that if they do move on from Peterson, McKinnon will be the favorite for lead back duties, and Peterson probably go somewhere else. That's why I left him at number eight in the ranks. Um, but my thoughts on McKinnon, again, uh, yeah, I talked about him before. I just like him. I think he's a good player and uh, potential, you know, 15 touch guy, highly efficient in a in a nice situation there in a Minnesota in, a, in an offense going the right direction. We'll say that at least after once Teddy's back. So. Uh, that's that's my justification. It was a little bold, uh, maybe optimistic, but uh, you know we'll see.
1: What, what's cool about McKinnon is he was a quarterback just a couple of years ago, so <laughs> yeah. this is all new to him.
0: The last guy I wanted to ask you about, and, and this does make more sense now that uh, I know it is redraft for 2017. <laughs> but I'd love to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Corey Coleman. You had him at wide receiver 34.
2: Yeah, uh just kind of slipped him in there as a wide receiver three. I mean, if they did move on from Josh Gordon, I would have had him a lot higher. But uh, if Gordon comes back, and he, he looked good in the preseason, if he comes back and he's that number one, you know, how many Browns can you put in the top 20? You know, it's it's hard, It's going to be harder right. for Coleman to uh, take a big step forward unless they manage to land a, a top-end quarterback. Hey, maybe they're the team that can go ahead and, and trade for Tony Romo next offseason and have Romo to go with <laughs> Gordon and Coleman and Pryor and Barnage and Duke Johnson. So. Uh, all of a sudden, they'd be one of the better offenses in the league. So they need the quarterback. I, I am a Coleman fan, but I think you—you know—I'm comfortable calling him a wide receiver three right now.
0: Those comments tell me you don't view Robert Griffin as as really having much success there.
2: Yeah, I th- I think there's that's one possible outcome. I would say I think uh, the reasonable. A projection on him is to expect him not to pan out just because, you know, how often do those guys that, that have to get the second chance pan out and turn into uh, even a solid quarterback in the NFL? So I hope so. For the Browns' sake, I like what they're doing. I like Hugh Jackson, but I would say I'm a little pessimistic. I'm, I'm, or I want to say on one hand I'm cautiously optimistic. On the other hand, I, uh, I I don't know. You know what? It's it's a tough one. I just I'll be surprised if he ends up being safe as the starter come 2017.
0: Absolutely. Well, and they have, with those, uh, I think they have two first-round picks. They have, you know, they have a, a decent sure. chance to finish with the first overall pick. Many people think that could be Deshaun Watson, the Clemson quarterback. So, yeah, I think I, I think I agree that the odds are probably not in his favor to be the starter in 2017. Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, and, and before we wrap it up, just tell our listeners where they can find your work.
2: Yeah, uh, certainly at ESPN.com, primarily in the fantasy football section. I have the show weekdays at 9 a.m. on SiriusXM Fantasy, Next Level Fantasy Football, and then, of course, on Twitter at MikeClayNFL.
0: Mike, thanks again. Next week we'll be back, and we're going to have a DFS focused show with TJ Hernandez, so that should be a fun one, too.